Hi, welcome to Tracking News. My name is Nick. Um, here with a, another special guest today. Um, he's a man who's won a fair bunch of stuff down on the Wellington Velodrome. Uh, won our big races, the Lake Cold Cup. He's won our um, overall series for the year, um, the Wellington Cup itself. Um, he's been racing for 10 years and he's known for some pretty radical uh, tactical racing, uh, some wild moves, some interesting kind of uh, styles um, he brings to the track. So yeah, hi, Pat Crow-Rishworth. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the kind words there. No problem. Um, so Pat, tell us about your career highlights. Yeah, you mentioned a few there. Um, <clears throat> definitely the, the Wellington Cup um, has been a pretty big part of my racing focus for a while, but I think the the big one... I'd like to mention is probably our record. That that's that's the top step for me. Getting my hands on the Wellington Hour record was, I think we uh, when we last talked about it, we figured out about seven years in the making, um, and about three from scratch bike frame design and builds before I I got there. Felt like a lot of work, and yeah, I was pretty pretty stoked to get that one in the bag. Felt pretty good on the day because you had a how many goes did you have at it in the end? Uh, in the end on the books, that was the second, only the second go. Um, but I'd actually written the full thing in training a handful of times, um, which seems completely ridiculous (laughs) in retrospect, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a a big focus in terms of like fitness and and strength, but also creative output and the the frame design and sort of pretty all encompassing for, my bike ethos for quite a long time. Yeah. So um, I mentioned there a bit earlier, you've got a slightly different, a different approach to tactics. Um, in our last podcast, we talked about scratch races uh, with uh, Jamie Hodgkinson. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Anything to add? Would you, how would you do things differently? Yeah. Learning from the master with Jamie. Um it was a great episode. It's always pretty hard to get anything out of him. So I'm glad you, you managed to pin him down and <laughs> squeeze him for some gold nuggets. Um, he slipped a little arrow as everything in there, which I thought was pretty, pretty cheeky, but kind of pretty apt. Um, I thought that was really good. But I think the, the thing I want to mention is, I mean, some people listening to this will know Jamie and know that he's a, but canny for beating people who haven't really figured out that they're about to get absolutely smoked by him. And then all of a sudden he's up the road. Um, <clears throat> and at one point you mentioned there um, that you don't want to be like flailing around out of the saddle with the disc wheel, making heaps of noise and this kind of barrage of obvious attack. Um, and that's the way Jamie races. He, he's sneaky, very carefully timed and, and calculated, but um I think sometimes it is important to attack as visibly and loudly and sort of exuberantly as possible um, because you can, you can use that to your advantage. And there are situations, you know, sometimes you're in a race where you are one of the stronger riders or, um, you know, and we might talk about this soon, but some of the other stronger riders might've been eliminated and you just want to put the whole bunch like in prison. You want to put them in the box. And so, having the whole bunch going, oh, there's an attack coming, go, go, go. And you come flying around the top of the track at full noise with your disc wheel going, womp, 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 womp. And they see you fly into that back straight at full speed. Like 
sometimes that is pretty good. It does take all strikes. Don't be scared of just turning up, kicking the front door in and door in and screaming about it. I think sometimes it's a great move. All right. So you reckon the idea is to uh, almost make it look bigger than it is and people are like, oh, I don't want to chase that. I'm going to let someone else do it. And yeah, then, absolutely. Make it look as, as terrifyingly fast and intimidating and loud as possible. And maybe a wee bit, even a wee bit chaotic, you know, make it look like just unchaseable. All right. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about eliminations, elimination yep. races and then points races, points races. Um, eliminations on the Wellington Velodrome. So we've got a concrete outdoor tracks about 333 meters long. We cut someone uh, every lap. Um, mm-hmm. And so that ends up sort of being about like, I don't know, eight to 15 laps, depending on how many people have turned up, obviously. Um, I mean, I so often think we do it. I mean, it's a classic, isn't it? Right. We do it so often, so many times in a year. Everyone loves it. Um, and I often think, right, today I'm just going to do something different. And I end up slipping into the same format, which is like uh, second, first or second wheel and just kind of yeah. trying to hold a steady pace and just the front, keep get it. someone on your shoulder. You're notorious for it. <laughs> I know, just like keeping some fresh air. I don't like to be trapped. I ride off the shoulder. Yeah. So if I feel a presence coming around on the right, I just accelerate a bit. Um, and it usually gets me to the, to the last three, three or four, something like that. Yeah, I think um, you're right. I think, I think you're pretty safe to, to say that. Uh, but yeah, like I say, I would like to try something different. I mean, what's your usual? Do you have a standard approach? Oh, do I have a standard approach? Um, how long have you got? For me to answer that question. About 10 minutes. <laughs> um, no, I think I think the elimination, like you mentioned, is is often sort of one where it feels like it might be good to try something different. Um, and I think for me the standard approach is that 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 is the one race where my standard approach really is do something out the gate as often as I can bring myself to. Um, and I suppose that's because I feel like it is one of the weirdest races on the track. Like it mm. It really warrants it feels like there's room in there for something absolutely wild to be successful more but so than it it's so it's often great. ends up just being the bunch though you know you end up in a bunch and you know someone gets caught on the inside or can't sprint fast enough around the outside so it's very hard yeah. to split things up and make it different yeah, it, it definitely is. I think people who have good control of elimination races are, are universally respected as just like absolute masters of the track. Um, it, it is, I think, like you say, it's easy to think, oh, I'm going to do something different and then end up, you know, five laps in, fighting for last wheel, just being having sat, sat in the bunch the whole time. And I think, you know, in terms of giving advice, um, sort of have to be careful about who I think I'm giving advice to and and what is the merit in that advice but I think it's reasonably safe advice for the for the for the masses for us lot to like maybe maybe throw the baby out with the bathwater a bit in, in an elimination race if there's you know you've got a, a Sunday of racing that you train for and you take reasonably seriously and you want to be successful you can afford one like huge first lap attack or one massive blunder if you're going to have if you're going to have something go wrong like it's probably going to go wrong in the elimination race anyway you know you seem to be first or last and so 
it's a, I think the elimination race is a good place. My, my piece of advice I'd like to start with for that would be if you're going to try something super weird and you don't want it to ruin your racing for the day, try it in the elimination race because you'll probably just get eliminated first lap anyway. Right. You know? like, you've kind of got nothing to lose almost. and You've got nothing you to might, lose. It's you might get a role of advice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, if you go for a big first lap attack, you're likely to get through at least the first lap, which is the one that nobody wants to get caught out <laughs> on. It's like absolutely the worst one. You um, avoid the world of stone if, not, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, that is a thing, though. You do end up absolutely drilling it for the first couple of laps. They're probably the, usually the hardest, aren't they? And then we get progressively more tired. and Yeah, everyone gets a bit worn out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, uh, if you are in the in the group, in the bunch, like what? where do you like to position yourself? So I, I'm pretty happy to flirt with the back for the first couple of laps. Um, Risky. Yeah. And I know that the front is this, is this great advice. And like, if you're, if you're sitting down to teach people how to race elimination and it's results-based racing, like you, you want to come seventh, not eighth and sixth, not seventh, you know, like if people are actually really competitive, going to the front is a, is a safe bet. You're definitely right with that. Um, but you know, only two people or, or sometimes one person can be on the front. And what I've found in our, in our elimination racing is that, like, everyone wants that spot. It's so competitive and there's so much argy-bargy. And, and for me to be in there soaks up so much of my energy for the race that for the first few laps, I'm pretty happy to just chill at the back. Um, there's always someone there you can put in the box. Is it really yeah. chilling though? Is it re- you say chill at the back, but is it really your... uh, look? This will lead into my my major point, my major yeah, observation of failings I see in elimination races at at sort of B grade and A grade level, um, which is you're chilling at the back, right? Like inevitably, at some point you're at the back, and then you are halfway around the back straight, and you start looking around, and you're going, "Ooh, this is looking a bit spicier than I was anticipating." <laughs> Um, and you start like putting some effort in to, to come up because you have to go up to come around. Like the front never relinquishes the black line. So you put all this effort in, you come up the track, you're trying to come around people, you get to the front, and that is this like massive effort. Like it's basically usually a full-on sprint. I'm mm. not sure how often you end up in that situation. You seem to be sort of breezing on the front pretty casually. <laughs> most of the time. But it's this like, massive, like it's maybe one of a couple of efforts you've got of of that that level um given the short time frame of the race and then people avoid getting eliminated like you make it through second to last or third to last or whatever and then they they roll across the line and the the finish line is sort of two-thirds of the way down the straight or or more so you're pretty close to the corner on our Mm. 333 track um and so you basically cross the line and then you just go straight up the corner stay high lose all your speed and fall back into a position where you are like in contention to be eliminated again. And that is like just building all the speed and all this momentum just to get back to mid pack and then throwing it away. The one thing that I wish people would do would be when they do that, just pedal full gas for another 10 seconds, mm. stay high around the corner, drop into the back straight and go from being at the back, lighting this fuse having this huge explosive attack, actually use it to attack. Like That is a, that is a really good tip, actually. And as, as it, go over you know, the bunch. Talking about the elites for a little bit, but you do see that happening quite a lot on the 
world champs or whatever, they use that speed over the top and they just carry on going all the way to the front. And you have There's to a handful away. of riders that are notorious for it, and, and we saw a lot of it at the world champs. The, the mm-hmm. super world's just gone. Where they'd kind of flirt with a couple of other people, squeeze some riders from sort of lesser known nations or something for maybe four or five eliminations. And then when they actually got stuck battling someone who was on their level, all of a sudden they're like half a lap off the front. They don't just fight back into the bunch. They they go they take a huge flyer and they really use it, I think. That's the that's piece of advice number two. If piece of advice number one is like go to the front. Yeah. Piece of advice number two is if you have to work to get to the front, make it an make it a proper attack. Put yeah. some people under pressure. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um I think one thing I always find when when you when I do stuff them up is is generally I've found about two seconds beforehand, I've thought, oh, I'm okay. I'll just kind of cruise <laughs> a bit. I'll just save some energy. And then you're totally not okay. And yeah. um, it's yeah, like, oh, right. bugger, I'm now, now I'm stuck. Or, oh, where did they come from? Um, yeah. And So I, I did write a couple of notes for, for sitting down so that I tried to stay on top. I could not rabbit on too much. But <laughs> what you've just said is, is basically one of them. In terms of the difference between elimination racing and points racing, in what I've done and what I've experienced, um, when you attack in an elimination race, you need to attack to like split the race up. And when you when you do anything, you need to do it as if this is it. Yeah. The points race, it's a bit more measured and there's a bit more time. But elimination race, the moment you settle and go, oh, maybe a little soft attack here, or I'll just take it easy for a couple of laps, it tends to be over. It tends yeah. to just be like, that's it. Yeah. They're, they're sort yeah. of on from the gun. You've got to be switched on the whole time. There's no, there's no easy laps. There's no, you know, Oh, yeah. And on that note, um, there are no easy laps, including the neutral lap. This is something, Jamie, <laughs> well, yeah. you are racing the neutral lap. You are 100% using that neutral lap. If you're going to be successful to get in the position you want to be in, like there's yeah. no way that you just flop about willy-nilly in the neutral lap and then happen to start the race in exactly the spot you want. Like you need yeah. to be using that. Um, I, don't remember, I don't remember if I said this in Jamie's podcast, but there was someone who wasn't very happy with the speed of our neutral laps last season, but well, I'm not, <laughs> you've got right. to, you've absolutely you got to, space, you've got to use it. Yeah. I saw one. I can't actually remember exactly which event it was, but it was one of the women's, it may have been the women's elimination race, actually final yeah. um, at the worlds where there was a small crash. Two riders went down, but were fine and were getting back on their bikes and one of them needed a yeah. wheel change. I think. And one of the riders, and so the race was neutralized, right? Get five neutral laps to get back in. Um, and this is super relevant to Wellington racing, but the, the premise is the same. Those neutral laps, that five lap countdown is giving the people who have fallen off an advantage. And so two of the riders in the bunch just started drilling the pace for these five neutral laps and got them done really quick. Five laps of race <laughs> pace for these guys is what, like a minute if you're lucky? Yeah, yeah. That's not time to get a you know modern quick release um, through axle disc wheel out and a new one out of the pits and put it. And so they eliminated two riders just by pushing the pace on the neutral lap. Yeah, yeah. You need to be oh, using yeah. that neutral lap to your advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, um, any last thoughts before we move on to to points racing? Yeah, there's one, and it, it's it's one of those classic like you can only you lose every race you don't start. Mm. Um, kind of quotes but uh, elimination racing involves using your ears so don't wear an aero helmet oof 
Really controversial. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Tell us Hero more. isn't everything. If you can't hear that your number has been called or the number that has been called or what's happening around you, you're at a disadvantage. There's no two ways about it in an elimination race. You've got to be able to hear. So if you've got like your full-on Darth Vader, um, Jiro Arrowhead is is a, a notorious one for covering the ears or or whichever is the aero helmet of your choice and you can't hear in it, just put your normal road helmet on for the elimination race. Wow. It'll, it'll, okay. I yeah. Okay, I haven't thought of that. Um, actually, one final thing uh, is when we do it, this is very specific to Wellington, but down the back straight on a summer's Sunday afternoon, you can use the shadows on the track. You can... Uh, if you look just Ooh. to your right, you've got everyone's riders' shadows right there, and you can kind of see if people are moving up in advance. That's a wily Nick Warren goal. Yeah, yeah that's a good that's a, that one. That's right. Yeah, yeah. All right, so points races. Um, again, I mean these are very different to what you see on the elites, aren't they? We again, they're only about. I think we race twelve laps. We do for the yeah. A grade, B grade, and C grade do less. Uh, we usually have points sprints every two, three four laps i can't remember now um so it's maybe like three sprints how i remember it yeah so it's maybe about three or four sprints in total and the last one being double points Mm -hmm. um there's not heaps of time to recover um it's pretty again pretty short and sharp isn't it really even though it's a bit longer it's sort of 12 15 laps or something but yeah it's um still a real kind of um Heart burner to use one of Jamie's lines um, from last week, but um, it, but yeah, I mean, what's um, what's your kind of points race? Uh, do you have a, a standard tactic again, or are you, do you like to mix things up? Uh, I don't, I don't think I have many standard tactics aside from first lap attack and a scratch race, which is <laughs> not what we're here to talk about, unfortunately. Um, but I think the the overall thing that I'm thinking in a, in a points race, as we've described, I mean, I've never raced like 120 lap, like Aaron Gate level, you know, a proper points it's race. A, it looks awful. It's just the thought of it. It looks <laughs> insane. People taking like three laps. You know? yeah. Anyway, I think the the standard sort of approach I have is is that I'm thinking when I attack, I'm attacking to test the water. It's the opposite of elimination race where I'm attacking to like absolutely bury the entire race. Um, In a points race, I'm I'm giving them a little nudge or a little squeeze. I'm kind of soft attacking a lot and and I'm trying to feather those attacks because I'm going to have to, I know I'm going to have to do it sort of four or five times maybe um, to to get points and to, to be successful in the end, which is, like in a, a shorter race like ours, so heavily weighted. Um, you definitely don't want to burn all the matches in the first two laps and then kind of have nothing in the tank. No, I mean, if there's if the one thing I definitely, I usually take the first sprint as easy in quotes as possible, like hold, just follow wheels. Yeah. Because that last section is, is absolutely critical. Like not only is it double points, but, you know, because we're only doing like three or four sprints, you often end up even on points. Um, mm. So your finishing order across the line is usually, you know, can often make the difference between a placing. Usually with at least a place, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, so yeah, I think I think the thing that I, if I hear that advice when I'm saying it, I think the thing that I want to immediately respond to with that is 
don't do those, don't only do those, like do those soft attacks, but don't only do them in the sprints. Yeah. You need to use the space in between the sprints to control the race. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know what, you know what my modus operandi is, is like, yeah. wait until the second or third sprint, everyone kind of swings up, bang, that's the time to go. When everyone's yeah. gassed is hit them when it hurts and just like, boosh, off you go, try and get some, um, yeah, get get some distance and get some points. It's difficult advice to give, I think, because I think in truth, there's some truth to the, the criticism of it, which is... Um, it only works if you're really strong. Like if you can, if you've got energy to be competing sprints as competitively as you can and putting in attacks in, in attacks between the sprints, like, all right, George Jackson, that's fine. You just do whatever you want. Like it's, it's not a great tactic if you're in the box. Like, <laughs> I suppose but, that's true. But then I would say if you are, if you're feeling like, you know, that you're that kind of rider where you're still learning and whatnot, then maybe do it, just try having a go for, for one time, you know, like, so you're in, yeah, big right there, there's a sprint, uh, do follow the wheels on that first sprint. And then as soon as everyone swings up, have a go then just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Given that, that. Like, um, the, the people we're likely to be talking to going back to this idea of like, mm. who are we genuinely offering advice to? A lot of them are really strong roadies and we've seen time after time people who can win a road race like nobody's business join the Wellington track and really struggle to get out of B grade. Um, and I suppose it's a tactical it's a tactical failing. It's a strategic failing. It's not that their strength isn't there. So maybe there are plenty of people who maybe do have the legs but are too, too worried about watching what other people are doing or stressed out by the race for one reason or another. So, yeah. Um, it's do a good point because attack. we do we do get roadies you're absolutely right and if they stick it out for a season usually by the end of it they've really started to nail it and they've clicked yeah. and they've got the strategy and they're able to kind of put in those attacks and uh, we definitely see that it's a bit annoying so you're like oh now they're big <laughs> as well <laughs> but, um, one more person to eliminate every year yeah. every week um, yeah, so I want to I want to touch on a specific move. Jamie's got a few specific moves you wanted to talk about with him, and, and mine are all just like attack on the first lap, which is kind of boring. But the the specific move I did think might be relevant here yeah. was uh, one that I picked up from Pete Latham, who I was being coached by for a, a couple of years there. And he didn't call it this, but I've since sort of come to think of it as this, and it's the no man's land squeeze. And it's specifically pretty good in a points race in this in-between sprints territory. Now, it's not a counterattack. It's not like you're waiting for the second sprint or the third sprint to go, and then you're going to put the hammer down when everyone's been in the box. And it's not actually a full-on attack, but what it is is it's 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 in that like dead point in the race. It might be like a full lap after a sprint. Where like there hasn't been a big counterattack, or there was, and it's been covered, and it's, you're not quite into that next sprint yet and there's kind of nothing there. And it's just a bit of, it's a bit of this sort of big grunty diesel acceleration. It's not like a stand up and flat around and make as much noise as possible. It is one of those quieter attacks, but it's just way harder than necessary. So let's say you're in lap, you know, you're in two laps after a sprint or one lap after a sprint completed, you've crossed the line and there's three laps into the next sprint. And you come through to the front, 
sort of through the first corner, you're on the front and then just like put the hammer down in the saddle for three quarters of a lap all the way down the back straight, all the way around the corner till just before the line and just string that bunch out a lot. And then get off the front and let everybody work really hard to close those gaps and group back up. And just, I suppose you're sort of preloading. You're saying, I'm going to do a bit of work now. And that means everyone else has to do a lot of work now when they don't really want to. There's no real obvious value in it. It's a bit of a like make the race really hard technique. But I think that situation then sets you up for a bit of a soft lap where you're already at the front. You don't need to fight for position. Everybody else is trying to get back in position. They spend the next lap doing that while you chill. And then the sprint starts being sort of led into at that point. You're then like a a lap or two from the sprint. So think about that dead spot in the race where there's not necessarily anything going on and you might be finding yourself waiting around a bit. And if you are feeling strong, that is a point to, to really put the power on, I reckon. There's, there's real merit in that. So it's a sort of a subtle way of um, putting people into the red. They'll have a longer – their recovery will take longer than yours, I guess, or finish later. Um, and yeah, then, just that you're having to start yeah. it later than you are. You sort of get yeah. that soft on the front while they're recovering immediately before a sprint. Right, or, sorry, and you hopefully you've off. recovered for the sprint and you can – Okay, uh, that, yeah. that's that feels advanced, man. That's that's the it's, it's deeper it's level thinking. Um, yeah. But it's the yeah, it's the one that I think about. Like it's one that is in my mind. It's something that I have to think about, and I go, oh, this is that that dead spot where everyone's kind of just peddling for no reason. Let's just yeah. make it really hard for everybody because that'll help later, kind of thing. That's mm. oh, good tip. Do you um, <laughs> do you try and mentally uh, add up what everyone's got in points every uh, throughout these races? I have tried to do that. Um, I like to think that I can keep a bit of a track of it, but it, it is pretty difficult, I've found. I tend to be able to keep tabs on maybe one other rider um, or one and a half other riders. Like I might know who's doing the couple of people who are ahead of me. Um but normally it, it doesn't seem to matter because I tend to be going into every sprint looking for opportunities for points. I'm not going like, oh, I only need to beat Mike Thomas or I only need to beat Jamie or whatever. Um, yeah. I tend to be going into every sprint going, I'm going for maximum points yeah. here. How can I kind of try and make that happen? Um. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not too bothered about keeping tabs on specific people. Um, yeah, we, we obviously no. don't have a giant electronic scoreboard that we can quickly look up at as we go. As we go no, out. no. And I think, I think in fairness as well, um, like there's only three or four sprints or, or maybe five sprints usually. Um, and so like unless someone takes a huge flyer, it's kind of – and. and and like secures first and then basically in the first sprint and then basically drops out of the race. Um, it's basically going to be the same stronger riders competing at least the last two, if not the last three, if not all of them. Um, so I don't think, I don't think it makes a massive difference like it would in a, you know, 12 sprint points race, the likes that we see on TV where like someone might have a, 
50 lap surge and take a lap and place in four sprints that is yeah. then like that was like 40 laps ago and i'd forgotten about it um it tends to be over a bit faster than yeah. any sort of character you're right you've got to ride your own race and just go for them you know if you spend too long thinking oh and trying to be too calculated almost yeah like, you know, you're, then, then you're the guy like getting the no man's land squeeze put on you in lap yeah. six <laughs> not the guy on the front who's thinking about winning the race yeah yeah um, the other thing that I think the the mistake that I see that I can observe. So if I if I'm watching racing A grade or, or B grade or even C grade a lot, I think it would maybe even make more of a difference in C grade. Um, in Wellington points races is that 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 I don't see at an elite level, but I do think is relevant is to carry height all the time. Um, elites are not shy of getting right up the top of the track and just chilling out or getting right up at the top of the track. And, and while the bunch is doing full gaps, they're what like, do you gain yeah. from that? it's, it's the acceleration of being able to drop in for free, but you have to it ride that much faster and further. Don't you for longer? No. Yeah. It, you do have to go further, yeah. but if everyone else is also doing it or if doing it doesn't cost you enough that you're crossing a threshold that makes it invasive on your race having that extra acceleration up your sleeve is just another tool in the box you can always just decide to scrub it like you can just mm. you know gently make your way down the track back into the line you never had a disadvantage having that height but having that height in between the, the sprints is just worth so much because it lets you cover an attack a little bit easier or initiate attack and a little or a little bit easier and it also lets you keep an eye on the whole track from the top just being able to look left is a lot easier than being at the bottom and trying to look right especially in the corners mm. um, i mean yeah, this, this, I think, this, um, that's an interesting one and that probably applies more to our or our track i could say and and wooden ones if you go and ride fielding that's not <laughs> there is no height yeah, sure. but, yeah, um, yeah. It, it does yeah. apply to a track that has a bit of elevation yeah. i think um yeah, I probably got a wee bit notorious for overusing the elevation in the last corner, the last season I was racing on the track. <laughs> um, but like, I just think it's worth so much, and it, it, it's such a huge part of how much accelerating you can do, and how often or or how repeatedly you can kind of accelerate over and over again. Is if you can learn to use that height, especially as not a stronger rider or not the strongest rider, you can basically just get free attacks out of it. Um, Mm, all right. Yeah. Good one. You watch, um, watch so the, serious. Sorry. No, sorry. Um, sorry. The final tip I'd probably drop is, oh, well, it's a really boring one actually, is that, but this is one I specifically train for like on my spin bike at home. If I'm doing a yeah. lunchtime workout, then I'll train a points race, you know, and it's just, you know, tempo sprint, tempo sprint, tempo sprint or whatever. Um, and just try and replicate that because that sort of just try and replicate that recovery time. Mm. You know, trying to speed up your recovery, I, I, I personally think is a real, is a key asset, and it applies, you know, across all track racing anyway. Um, but yeah, I sort of specifically imagine I'm in a points race and um, I'm in between, in between sprints and then sprint. You know, I'm just trying to replicate yeah. it as closely as possible. I suppose that structure of it is something that, um, unlike a lot of races on the track, is actually reasonably systematic to practice. Mm. So 
yeah, it's an opportunity to get some practice in that you can't, you know, you can't necessarily do with an elimination race. You're like, oh, I wonder if anyone's going to attack this lap. I got yes. absolutely no idea. With the points race, you know, it's going to be all gas, no brakes every five laps or, or whatever, yeah. four laps. So, yeah, getting some practice in is a good, is a good shout. Being ready for the the like mind numbing difficulty <laughs> of, of that third sprint that like, ah, oh, it's not the end yet, but we've been doing this forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being ready for that and, and ready to capitalize on it is probably a good shout. Cool. All right. Look, we'll leave it there. Pat, you're on Instagram, aren't you? What's your thing? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I'm radness, not madness That's not on right. Instagram. Um, and it's, mostly pictures of bicycles and uh travels my current travels at the moment so yeah, good stuff. follow me there but i don't think you'll get any great um strategic tips <laughs> <laughs> that's all good look thanks so much for joining today um looking forward to seeing you back on the track soon thanks for having me yeah hopefully sooner rather than later catch cool. you soon see you dude all right